You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Wednesday we looked at um, at the account where our Lord Jesus said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. And we saw that in that account, at the end when everything was okay, our Lord Jesus Christ rebuked them, saying to them, where is your faith? And we saw that, in particular Luke 8.23, we saw that The disciples were in jeopardy. The boat was sinking. Now, if the boat, I mean, is sinking, and I say, Master, Master, get up and save me, what could I have done better? Praise the Lord. Master, Master, we are perishing. Were they not perishing? They were perishing. But yet, our Lord Jesus Christ said, Where is your faith? Which means he expected more from them. They tried, but he expected more. Praise the Lord. Our prayer is that we will meet our master's expectations in the name of Jesus. And that expectation is that your faith, my faith, will be solid in spite, irrespective of situations and circumstances. Praise the Lord. Our dad taught us, we learned already. He says, faith does not exist in a vacuum. Faith is built on the revelation or simply on the knowledge of the word of God. Okay? So, when our Lord Jesus Christ said to them, let us go over to the other side. What was the word to them? What did the word say to them? Let me hear you now. Let them go over to... So the next thing on the agenda should be from the other side. What happens in between where they left and the other side has already been settled by the word of God. Praise the Lord. So if they bring up any matter there to the master, he has a right to ask them, where is your faith? He has that right to demand of them. Didn't you hear me? So in essence, faith is simply hearing the word of God and accepting it as true and walking from that premise that the word of God has come and I stand on the word. Based on that, I want to say to every Nigerian here who has called upon the name of the Lord, it is well. Praise the Lord. Why? Because we have called on the Lord And he says, if you call on me, I will do what? And I will show you great and mighty things which you didn't know. We have called on him and he has said he will answer. And what did we call on him on? Did we call on him that we should kill people? No. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, what are we asking for? Justice. Is it not his will? Righteousness. Is it not his will? That people be saved in Nigeria. Is it not his will? That the killings will cease. Is it not his will? 
So since we have asked all this according to his word, then we can rest assured that he has heard us and he will grant us our request in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Yes, it's important we have that. Now, is exchange rate going up? Is, you know, things are getting more difficult? Yes, they are. But thank God, he has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. So, as things are getting harder, we should lean harder on God. Praise the Lord. Did you hear me? We should do what? Lean harder on God. His grace will abound to us in Jesus' name. So that's just for a, a bit of review of what we did on Wednesday. And last Sunday we talked about, you know, Christ's body being, you know, the church. And then we said the body does the work, isn't it? So we say there is the church and then there is what? The kingdom. And our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, he was the body of his body. Okay? So he went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Okay? Now he's gone back to heaven the Bible says he's making intercessions for us. And the Bible makes us understand that Christ is the head of the church and we are his body, right? So we being the body, as we are gathered here now, we are the body of Christ, okay? Now what we do here is maintaining the body. And we learn that when we go from here now, the way we operate will determine whether we are advancing the kingdom or whether we are just playing church. Praise the Lord. So as wonderful as all that we have done and most of what we're going to do this morning will be, it will be church. What will be kingdom is what you do out of here. And we receive the grace to do the kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the kingdom is essentially this. The king and his domain, okay? A kingdom is about a place, a sphere, where there is a reign, where there is a way of doing things. Okay? In certain places in the Bible, you hear about the world. The world is a system, and there is a way things are done in the world. Now, in the kingdom of our God and his Christ, there is also a way things are done in his kingdom. Praise the Lord. In the world we are in, things are done by sight. In this world, seeing is believing. Okay? Touching is knowing it's there. If I can touch it, it's there. But technology is making it more complex. Like as we're here now, if you put on your phone Bluetooth, you're going to see that it's going to pick up some names. It's going to tell you seven star is here, eight star is here, um, Philon is here, you know, um, this person is here. Am I right? But can you see any of those things? So even in the world now, seeing is no longer believing. It's picking it on your phone is believing, isn't it? Is somebody getting where I'm going? So the world has a system and the way it operates. Now, in the kingdom, there is also the way things operate in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. In the kingdom, things are operated by faith. That's why the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Kingdom citizens live by faith. Now, if you understand that, you will enjoy life in the kingdom. You will be productive as a participant in this kingdom. If you don't understand it, it's going to be a very bumpy ride for you. May God help us to understand in the name of Jesus. Okay, so kingdom life is based on faith as against the world life which is based on sight. So the Bible tells us 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Praise the Lord. 
And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. So as you're here today now, your faith, you're hearing the word. As you go home and read your Bible, you're building up yourself. You're building up yourself. And as the word that you read that you know increases, the world, the influences of the world in you begin to diminish and deplete. Praise the Lord, somebody. So I want us to look at a story. I don't know if you're familiar with it, so I can't say that, but it's a story we've looked at. You know, here quite a few times. Come with me to Acts 27. We're just going to see some events that happened. And we'll read it and we'll pick a few things from there and we'll pray. Praise God. Acts 27 is the voyage of um, uh, uh, Paul's in very interesting voyage. Okay? We're going to read it and um, we'll see how it applies to you and I in this time and the lessons that we'll pick from it. Okay? So I'll start reading from verse 1. It's a lengthy read. It says, And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustus regiment. So entering a ship of Adramithan, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When he had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Snyder's, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmoni. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Heavens near the city of Lassia. Now much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster. And much loss, not only of the cargo and sheep, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, maybe if you don't, it's okay. Just be noticing the wind, the wind. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose, called Euroclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clodder, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they are taking it on board, they use cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the sightest sands, they struck sail, and so were driven. And because we are exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, All hope that we should be saved was finally given up. 
But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete, and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the fourteenth night had come, as we're driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they let down the skiff into the sea, the skiff is the uh, lifeboat, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prop, Paul said to the centurion and soldiers, Unless this man stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eating nothing. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosened the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern... The prow is the front of the ship, the stern is the back, was broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to Land. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. It's a long, long read. And um, if you haven't read it before, it can be quite confusing. A lot of, you know, terminologies from, you know, the sheep and the waters and all of that. But it's okay. The background to this is that Paul had been arrested by the Jews. And they wanted to kill him. Okay. And they brought him and we were seeking to kill him. And Paul appealed to Caesar. You know, before Felix says he appeals to Caesar, he doesn't want to go back, be taken to Jerusalem and be tried by these people because he knew their intention. And when he made that appeal, they said, okay, to Caesar, you're going to go. So they handed him over 
to a centurion. We are told his name here. His name is Julius. And they set on this journey to begin to sail to Rome. And while on this journey, they had to travel, you know, with some ship. And the beginning of the story, we see from verse 1 to 13, we're going to see, if you go home and read it later, I believe you're like the Berean Christians who go home and search what, you know, you're taught so you make sure it's true. When you go home and read the story, you're going to see from verse 1 to 13, you're going to see that most of the things that were done by the centurion, or in particular by the captain of the ship, was done by reading the wind. Okay? So because the wind is this way, because the wind is this way, because the wind is this way, it says, verse 4 says, okay, let me read 3. 3 and 4 says, and the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. It said, when they had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. So we see the wind was determining how they were moving. Okay, when you look at 7, you also see verse 7 says, When he has sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty of Snyders, the wind not permitting them. Okay, not permitting them. So we see the wind exerting some strong influence. Now, you come down also, you see in verse 13 as well, you see that when the south wind blew softly, they're also ready to mean something else. Okay. In essence, what I want us to pick from here is that the man of the kingdom does not determine his direction by the wind. Praise the Lord. The man of the kingdom does not move by the winds. I was listening to a preacher who I will encourage any one of us here, if you want to listen to someone's sound, you know, there are very few of them in our time, uh, that Dr. Connors, and then this particular man of God, Reverend uh, Shola Rogun. He teaches sound doctrine. Okay, I was listening to him and he was preaching somewhere. And he was saying that missionaries, he was praying that we should find missionaries in our time who rise up and say God is sending them to, uh, what, what's your local government, Pastor Ralph? Anambra East. Pastor Sam, what's your local government? Akukedo, thank you, that sounds better. We want to see young men and is too cosmopolitan. Want to see young men saying the spirit is moving me as a missionary to Akuke Edo local government to plant church there. He said all the young men the spirit is moving now. They either be moved to Port Harcourt, Abuja, or Lagos. That's one of the ways you know people who God didn't send. And you say, Pastor Kena, you're in Abuja, right? When I came to Abuja, if they sent you to Abuja, it was punishment. Under Abacha. If your organization sent you to Abuja, they hated you. That was when strike force used to disappear people in Abuja. It was dry. Nothing was happening here. So he was saying that he prays that the revival will come to the church where men will get up and say they're being sent to Mubi local government. But nobody's hearing that again. They're either being sent to, you know, Singapore or to... Washington or, you know, that's the only place the Spirit is moving men. I can bet you it's the wind that is moving them. Praise the Lord. So we see in this account that natural men, people who are not of the kingdom, are either moved by the wind or restrained by the wind. Now, one of the things you must learn as a kingdom citizen is that you take note of the wind, but you don't lean on the wind. Praise the Lord. You don't ignore it, you take note of it, just like our medicals, okay? The doctor says this is that, this is that, this is that. You take note of it. 
But you don't build your faith. Because your faith is built on the word of God. You trust in the word, but you take note of all of that. Because note in this story at the beginning, Paul said to them, Men, I perceive that this voyage, this journey is going to bring harm. Let us not make this journey. Let us winter here. Let us wait at this, you know, at this spot until all this is over. But the Bible said that because, now verse 11. Let me read from 10 so we get it. It's saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. Not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Now, Paul here, was he reading the wind or was he, he was taking note of it, but he was not leaning on it. See what happens there. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman. The helmsman was the captain of the ship. The centurion was more persuaded by experience. The person of the kingdom takes note of experience, but does not lean on experience. Are you with me now? Because all these things were created by God. The doctor learned what he learned with the knowledge God gave to him. Okay? Uh, uh, the wind is also, you know, is a means of knowing what is going to happen. Fair weather at night, you know, uh, good news for sailors, uh, whatever. So all of that are available. But when you become a citizen of the kingdom, just like as we're here in Nigeria now, people who are American citizens and diplomats from certain countries, they get what they call intelligence reports. Things that you don't know about, they know about it five days before time. Why? Because their home country gives them news that is superior to what NTA or TVC or any of them will allow you here. Are you with me? So when you're a citizen of the kingdom, you have access to the word of God, which is superior. So Paul said to them, we can't do this. But experience, the helmsman, the captain, did not agree with Paul. And then verse 12 said something there, which is key. It says, and because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority, let me say majority, the majority does not represent God's will. They hardly ever, only on occasions, do they agree. Praise the Lord. How many of us became Christians when this statement was very popular? Others may, but you can't. You shouldn't. How many of us remember that? So wherever you are, others may, majority may, but you know. Why? Because you're a citizen of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Okay, so majority said, let them go. And then the wind topped it up, verse 13. The Bible says, when the south wind blew out, softly, they supposed. Another person, I heard someone say, I can't remember who exactly said. He says, supposition is the lowest level of knowledge. You know, seeing this, seeing this, I supposed. He said it's not an intelligent conclusion. But many of us build our lives based on suppositions. Okay? The probing mind probes beneath what you see on the surface and what you feel on the surface. Okay? Anyway, the long of it is that up to this point, this man were being led basically the way people of the world are led. The wind goes this way. They say, okay, this is difficult. We turn this direction. And the moment the wind blew softly, they said, aha, we said it. We said it. Everything is going to work fine. And they set out. But verse 14 says something to us. It says, but not long after, the south wind that was blowing softly changed. Why should I, why should the Christian not build his life or decisions on the wind? Because they fluctuate. Praise the Lord. Because they're what? Fluctuate. What the wind is in this hour, you can't be sure what it will be the next hour. But the word of God was, 
abided forever. Why would you want to build your decisions? We, we talked about marriage, you know, last Sunday. And I think we want to talk about it this Sunday. Young men and women who are not yet married, open your eyes. Because that man that you see now, that is driving, what's the reigning car now for young people? What car are you believing God for? Sorry? Lexus RX. Benz is a product. Which Benz? Okay, when we're younger, there are some cars that have such notoriety that they overtook your name. So if like Ahmed now, in those days, we're all friends, and Ahmed bought a Santana, Volkswagen Santana, you won't answer Ahmed again. It will be Ahmed Santana. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, Ahmed Santana or Evolution. How many of us remember Evolution? Okay, Evolution. Whatever your name was, it had to adjust. <laughs> okay. So those things are good. They are the wind. That somebody is okay evolution today. Or Joe Santana today. There will be a newer model. You can't be sure whether he will be in that Santana when they have moved on to Avensis. You know Santana didn't meet Avensis. <laughs> Listen to me. The reason we don't build on the wind is that it's fluctuating. Common wisdom says if you stand, if you sit on a chair and it's shaking, what do you do? You get up and find the one that is not shaking. You can't build your life. You can't build your decisions. You can't build your friendship. You can't build anything you're doing. You can't build your ministry on something that is fluctuating. It is the word of God that abided forever that you lay your foundation on. Praise the Lord. So for those still talking about them, those making certain decisions, whatever, friendship, marriage, all of it, don't build it on something that will shake. Build it on things that are internal, things that are intrinsic. Praise the Lord. And I tell my wife, I feel for those who are not yet married because every person is beautiful on picture now. If you take a picture, any part of you you don't like, we're taking some pictures the other time. Say that my wristwatch is not, you know, I don't, they say they'll change it. They say, I don't like my smile here. They say, we'll give you a smile. I'm just joking. Okay. Things that will change. And if you came to church this morning and you're burdened about something, I want to give you a second to ask yourself, this thing that is a burden on me, can it change? Is it a fluctuating thing? If it's something that is fluctuating that can change tomorrow, subject, you know, to variegates of the weather and all of that, then please, I beg you, be concerned about things that are more solid. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Very important foundation we're laying, okay? Anyway, so the Bible says, but not long after verse 14, it says, a tempestuous wind, you know, rose, called Euroclidon, and the ship was caught and could not head anymore into the wind. And they let her drive. And he began to throw the ship, you know, either way, tossed and all of that. And it gets interesting. Verse 20 says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, it says, All hope that we will be saved was finally given up. Now note something here. I believe the writer here was uh, um, Luke the physician. He's the one that the Holy Spirit used to author the book of Acts of the Apostles. Now, when he was writing in verse 20, he said, All hope that we will be saved was what? Finally giving up. Read the next verse. The next verse says, But after long abstinence from food, what happened? 
Now, I want to tell you that Paul excused himself from that all. Hello. Are you looking at the screen? Can you put 20 for us? The last part of 20. Okay, let's read the whole 20. Read it, everybody. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, what happened? All hope that they would be saved was what? But what I want you to see is that in verse 21, Paul was not amongst that all. Whatever is happening in your environment, because you're a kingdom citizen, don't join it. Did you hear me? In our nation now, most people have lost hope. I'm sure you know that. And there's reason for that. Okay? But the Bible says Paul stood in the midst of them and made an announcement. He says, man, you should have listened to me and have not sailed and not have sailed from Crete. Okay? Continue. Go to the next 22. He says, but now, what do I do? He says, I urge you to take her for there will be no loss of life among you. But only of the sheep. Why? Who are you? Who do you think you are? You know who he is? He's a kingdom citizen. Jesus, speaking to the Jews, said, you're from below. I am from above. Where you come from determines what happens. We are pursuing almost, Buhari was there for eight years. Good luck, one year plus. So almost ten years of Chibo girls plus. Being in captivity. Ten years plus. Right? But when they held one American citizen, the kidnappers were all buried. The American citizen is in vacation now, enjoying vacation in the U.S. It matters where you're from. Are you hearing me? The Bible says, it says all hope that we should be saved was lost. It said, but Paul stood in the midst of them. Paul was a kingdom citizen in that ship, not operating under the weather, but operating from a position. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places, far above what? principalities and powers. He says our lives are hid in Christ. The ship was for safety, but the ship was not Paul's safety. Christ was Paul's safety. I get in it. So while the hope of the rest we are going, the Bible says Paul went in. We are going to see what happens. Go on. He says there will be no loss of life. He says what? He says for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I what? And whom I what? That's where there's a difference. When you're in church, you belong to God. When you're a kingdom citizen, you serve God. Some of us belong to, but we don't serve. And the combination needs to be complete, sir. You know why? The Bible tells us of the centurion that approached our Lord Jesus and said, my master is severely sick. Please, you know, speak the word, heal him and all of that. This master, the centurion, if that servant was not peculiarly, you know, especially precious to him, in a way that he didn't want to lose him. They buy slaves like you buy property. He could have bought another one. But here was one slave who just wasn't his property, but was useful to him. So the centurion went out of his way to meet the master Jesus to say, please heal my servant. Why? Because not that he belonged to him, but he saw value in him. That's why the Holy Spirit is saying to you and I here, Paul says there is an angel, an angel of the Lord to whom I belong. Every one of us can claim him. But the second part is, are you on duty? Help me ask your neighbor. Are you on duty? Because that determines the response. The God to whom I belong. Hallelujah. 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 We all belong to. But who are you serving? That's another matter altogether. 
And that's what Paul made sure he declared. He said to them, I belong to this God. You and I know the story of our friend Jonah. Jonah was in a similar situation. And what was his own portion? He belonged to God, but he was what? Running away from God. This man belonged to God and was serving God. The scenario is similar, but the locations of the people in God were different. I pray you'll be well located in the name of Jesus. You see, these are the kind of things that give a man confidence. This is what made the prophet say to the servants of the king, if I be a man of God, you come to arrest me. If I be a man of God, you know, let's see which power pass power. You don't do that, you know, when you're, you know, just moving about, wasting the resources of heaven. No, you do that when you're in duty. We talked about your stand in your office, in your place of work. Sars and mass, if in that place of work, you're serving God the way you ought to, your words will carry the force of heaven. If in that place of work, you are known as this one, you know, a, a Jew man for Jesus, whatever for Jesus. Your words will have the backing of the angels. The Bible said, they said when Daniel began to pray, when the angel came, he says, you're a man greatly beloved. Why? We have somebody here. I pray that when heaven looks at you, they will say, we have somebody here. You see, the danger of the Christianity we have now is that we have many people who have God, but few people that God has. So many people who have God. Wonderful. But there are few that God can say, this is my person. And this is what Paul was saying here. Paul says, I belong to him and I serve him. I'm on duty. I prophesy to you, you'll be on duty, even if you were not. So that whatever happens, you can say, I'm on duty. Praise God. Okay, so he made that statement. But it gets more interesting. Go to the next verse. It says, do not be afraid, Paul. Why? It says, you must be brought before Caesar. Okay, praise the Lord. Now, this is what he had agreed. God has spoken to him already. You're going to go to Caesar and you're going to be a witness for me before Caesar. So, the word of God concerning Paul was reassured and re, you know, reaffirmed. Okay? But there's something there, the second part of it. Read it for me. And indeed, God has what? Granted to you all those who sail with you. Now, please, can you give me the Living Bible translation of that, please? But I want to show you something here. Which makes a lot of difference. Let's read it together. And said, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more? He said, God has granted your request. And will save the lives of all those. What? Now, if you get this, my job this morning is done. What I've realized is a major problem with Christianity in our time. Is that we don't even have the mind of Christ. The Christianity where Christians are in an environment and they say, not my portion, everybody die, only me survive. This thing will favor me, everybody suffer, you don't care. You don't have the mind of, you have not encountered Christ. Because the spirit of Christ is that he left his throne. Every business Jesus did on earth was not for him. Everything he did here was not his portion, it was our portion, but he did it for us. Are you with me? The spirit of the time that we're in is a dangerous spirit because it's a spirit that counters everything Christ represents. Do you know why we don't experience rapture the moment we get born again? It's purely because of this. 
Apart from that, every time you get born again, you escape. Every time you get born again, you escape. But the reason you're here is because Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, what? So send I you. So when Paul was praying, when all hope was lost, Paul was not just praying, uh, let me arrive safely, let me. Paul was saying, Lord, I'm here. And everybody that is in this situation with me, they must survive together with me. That's why the Bible says, and they granted you your request. Sir, what has been your request? What has been your request? Our Lord Jesus rebuked James and John. He said, you don't know the manner of spirit that you're of. Many of us don't know the manner of spirit that we're of. We just want to hit. We want to show want everybody who, if you shout the biggest hallelujah, you're the only one. No, that's not the heart of the father. If you've been in a family, no father wants to call his seven children or 17 children or three children and just say, let one of you just get the blessing and let the other suffer. Have you met any such father? What does the father want? Oh, that's where we are. But unfortunately, we don't understand it. And because we don't understand it, when we're singing that song, more love, more power, more of you in my life, this is what determines the flow of God's power. We're talking last Sunday about Abraham and saving Lord. The reason some of us have not experienced the height that God wants to take us to in this work with him is because we don't know the assignment that we can carry. We have not taken some things that God has shown us. As a child of God, any problem, anything that God opens your eyes to see is an opportunity for growth. It may be financially, it may be spiritually, but if you take up that burden, you can be sure that the Lord will give you the wings to fly. Is someone hearing me? This is the spirit of Christ. The scripture says, says we have the mind of Christ. Another place, say we have not so learned Christ. When you read that scripture where it says we have not so learned Christ, it was talking about greediness. It was talking about envy. It was talking, he said, but we have not so learned Christ. The Christ that many people are talking about and following is the Christ that just wants to kill everybody and then they survive. Which kind of Christ is that? Christ came to die that you will survive. Then you now carry the anointing and want to kill everybody and survive. Let my enemies live long so that they will see what I will be in future. But Christ is not saying that. Christ is saying no, that they must be saved. For God does not delight in the death of the wicked. But in their, do you understand what I'm saying? It's a mentality. And that's what Paul shows us here. He was pleading with the Lord. Lord, I know, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, you're going to bring me before Caesar. But Lord, there are 200 plus people here. Save them as well. And the angel says, God has granted that request as well. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know, one of the ways you can be safe, you can mark yourself safe. You know this thing on Facebook, you know, if something happens, you mark yourself safe. One of the ways you can be safe in spite of the circumstances and situation, is just make sure that you become a part of God's salvation work anywhere you are. Because you see, our Lord Jesus Christ said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not what? When you align yourself with that service, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. No health issue will stop you. No financial issue will stop you. Nothing will stop you. They will want to, you know, sack everybody. They'll find out they can't sack you. Why? Because you're representing the kingdom there. The gates of hate will not be able to prevail against you. Why? Because you're his man. Somebody say, I received grace. In the name of Jesus. Okay, so, so he says, I've granted you all those who sail with you. He says, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now, 26. Let's look at 26. I want to show you something there also. It says, however, we must run aground on a certain island. I want us to take something from here. 
Because it's another place I see we have issues. Child of God, faith is not primarily for your comfort. Praise the Lord. Genuine faith, true faith in God, does not assure you. Sometimes it will bring comfort. But it does not guarantee you comfort in this journey. You know what it guarantees you? It guarantees you arrival. It guarantees you finishing the work. It guarantees you accomplishing the work. Paul here, being a complete man of God, said to them immediately, however, we must do what? He said we must run aground on a certain island. We're all going to be saved, though, but we're going to run aground. That's how you know when you hear the truth. You see, there is no contract without terms. If anybody proposes a business to you, and no matter what you do, you make profit, it's 419. No matter what happens, you will just be winning. It's 419. Do you understand? Any genuine business, any genuine thing in life has the conditions. It has some things that you have to be careful, aware, and take note of. Now, so when they present to you a story that no matter what you do, no matter how you do, because you're a man of God, because you're a child of God, no matter what you do, you're going to make it. It's not this gospel. Praise the Lord, somebody. No, 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 it's, it's not this gospel. In fact, uh, Peter was telling us, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith, what? So after your faith, he says, add virtue. You add to virtue, patience, you add to patience, godliness, you add to godliness, Lord. You add to, he said by, that doing all these things that you may neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge. So you can have faith and actually be barren. You see, when they present the true gospel to you, it's all those drugs that they sell in buses. Some of us here, we've never entered buses, you know. Ekesin, Chisco, you know. Those drugs that they sell in buses, no side effects, no conditions of taking. Just take it. Just take it. No condition, no before food, no after food. Anyhow you take it, you know why? It's poison. But a proper doctor will tell you, if you're taking this, don't take this. If you're taking that, don't take this. Take it at this time. Why? Because it is the proper thing. That gospel that makes you think that because the man of God prophesies on you, everything is okay. Whether you obey God or not, they are lying to you. They are lying to you. That your marriage will be well, whether you submit to your husband or not. Listen, as we read on this story, the word had come, I've given you everybody. But as we read on the story, you see that at intervals, Paul will say to them, if these sailors don't stay in the ship, we won't survive all. So there is the power of God and there is the wisdom of God. The power of God does not nullify the wisdom of God. Hello? Ah, you're not happy to hear that, right? The Bible itself says, by wise counsel, do what? Wage your own war. So you pray, you do all of that, wonderful. Or maybe even let's talk about finances now. God wants you prosperous. God wants you all of that. But what are your financial discipline? What about financial discipline? Are you working hard? Are you knocking on doors? Are you asking? Are you serving? Are you delivering quality products? Are you continually improving on your services? Do you have a return customer you know, experience? My wife and I and the children went and ate somewhere. And it was, a, a, what was the name of the restaurant? Eat.com. When we finished eating, we started calling the place eat.run. <laughs> how many of us have dealt with people that you never go back? Now, no matter how God wants that business to prosper, until he or she resolves that issue, 
These are wisdom problems. You see, when we get to heaven, maybe there will be no need for all of that. But as long as we're on earth, we come from a superior kingdom. And instead of them lowering the standard for us, they actually raise the standard for us. So Christian marriage will work not because we are anointed only, but because we obey the words of God. Husbands, love your wives as what? Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now listen, as a Christian husband, you're happy, your wife ties scarf, your wife is a issue, your wife is that. If you don't love that woman, the forces of this world will instigate in her a rebellion that you can't stand. Remember, Satan was in heaven before. Satan knows the word of God. I was Pastor Deborah that he says Satan is God's policeman. Satan is looking to find something to resist you with. Why give him chance? Why stupidly give him chance? You know, why give him the chance? You're a young lady, you're not married, you're a young man, you're not married, and you're not nice. Nice is minimum. Nice is minimum. It's just the alive, you're a human being. Then you're not nice. When somebody greets you, you look at the person from the top like this. Whether it's, it's the kind of person you should answer. What are we praying for? Do you get what I'm talking about? These are things that work together. You know, some of us, if we were Mary and the angel came to us, you would block him. Blessed are you, Mary. Mama, mama. You won't even hear whether the person is looking wretched. But you don't even know whether he has a message from your uncle. You don't even wait to hear. Say, no, 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 no. That's how you no, 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 something. Okay, so the promise had come, but there was a however. That's what, you know, Pastor Chris, we're encouraging ourselves as a church. God is with us. God loves us. But listen, if we took account, how many people hear that God, particularly, specially by the Holy Spirit, directed to the Father's church? It will be more than half. But now listen, there are people that will not hear the Holy Spirit. You have to bring them. I get what I'm saying. There are people that need you to go and encourage them to come. There are people that you need to hold their hand to come. Now, if we don't do that, we're going to suffer loss in the area that God has made a promise. It's as simple as that. The word is true. God is, you know, but God created this world. So he will not, you know, disregard and, you know, just uh, high-handedly disobey and flout the regulations he put in his world. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know, it's as simple as, can I just press on that very well? You're you're trusting God for whatever it is. And the word of God has come. What are you doing? We are talking about a new Nigeria, right? Nigeria where there is justice and righteousness, right? And you're the head of iniquity. Your organization, you're not paying people. You're cheating everybody. How can, if they blew on you and say, Nigeria, receive life from AMB Incorporated. There will be more corruption in Nigeria. Why can't you make A and B incorporated, that place you oversee, an oasis of justice and righteousness and equity? Everybody who walks around you, anybody who comes around you, experiences a Dubai in Nigeria. That's how you behave when you believe God. Praise the Lord. That's how you behave. You know? Praise the Lord. Okay. So it says, however, it says we must run aground. Okay. Now, the Bible says 27, it says, When the fourteenth night had come, and as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. 
And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they let down the skiff, under pretense of putting out anchors from the price, say, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, what? You cannot be saved. The word had come, but there are things necessary to watch over. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, watch and what? He didn't say pray and pray. You watch and pray. It's very important we learn this as Christians in this time. So things are difficult in Nigeria now, and we will not be consumed with the difficulty of the times, but we have to become wiser. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, you have to become wiser. In fact, you know, every Nigerian now should have a smooth sail losing weight. Praise the Lord. You know, I mean, except your, you know, your judge, you're blessed beyond measure. But you're a normal Nigerian. Hallelujah. Even manufacturers of products have helped us. You know, my, my wife was telling me what two cubes of sugar would have done for you 20 years ago. You need about 14 to do it now. I don't know how they managed to do that. They've reduced the concentration of everything. When you open some of them that are in cans or vaccines or whatever it is, it's 80 grams. When you open it, they've served you 60 grams. You know? There's this my biscuit that I used to like. I struggle with it with children. Pure bliss. How many of us buy pure bliss for children? It's that and them that eat it. <laughs> you know? Before, when you open pure bliss, the thing is solid as it is. Now, before you open, the whole thing has broken. You know? So, so everything is reducing. Now, wisdom, science and mass, is that you sit down and ask yourself what is necessary. All things are lawful, but not all things are what? It's not everything that is expedient. There are some things that you just receive wisdom. You receive humility. Praise the Lord. Many years ago here, for those who remember, uh, Pastor Emma told us how he brought his children out of private school. Thank God that there are still public schools. Is it not better you use the money you're using to pay excess uh, school fees and put fuel in the car to take your children to school? Then they go to public school. You see, a lot of us need to sit down and ask ourselves questions. There is a wisdom for surviving hard times. There is a wisdom for making it through. It's for a season, praise the Lord. But there, there are some prayers. You know James said some things to us. He said you pray, you war, you fight. He said but you receive not because he said you ask me. You ask to consume on your lust. You know what lust is? Lust is a desire you have that they deem not necessary for you. Did you get me? That you ask, so I'm asking to consume it on my lust. Heaven checks it. They said no. I remember when our, our son was uh, entered the um, boarding house. I think it was Cherryfield or one of the schools then. And we're complaining that ah, we, we came to visit him. It was really bad. You know, we, we're seeing his lungs. He looked like one of those Biafra. He's a Biafra child, but he wasn't in Biafra. We're seeing his lungs. So we went to the principal, who was a white man, and said, what's going on? They're not feeding. He said, no. The man said, no. The man has sense. He said, the problem is that when these children are at home, that we feed them to grow white. That day in school, they feed them to grow tall. the man was a very wise man let me tell you why anybody who is skinny will look taller the man tricked us because our son looked taller but it wasn't because he was taller it was because they had drained all (laughs) they had drained all the flesh in him you know so there's a wisdom there's a wisdom to know what is important what is priority? 
Now, some persons, one of the things that, you know, is going to become challenging for the places some of us live. I'm sure it takes you at least four liters or so to come to church and go. Now, the question is this. What should I drop and what should I pick? Now, reading this account, one of the places, it says, and the, the first thing they did was that they undergathered the ship. I think that's in verse 17. It says they undergathered the ship. What does it mean? It means to solidify what is necessary. They took ropes and did what? And solidified. This is not a time that your worship and devotion to the God who you're waiting to deliver you will reduce. Is it wisdom? This is a time for devotion so that if they say the first 20, you'll be there. If they say the first 50, this, this is not a time. You can cut down, look at the things that are essential and ask yourself, is this necessary? Is this absolutely necessary? Your devotion, your worship, your service, your consecration are things that you must not allow to be touched by the times that we are in. Your faithfulness in serving, your faithfulness in giving, your faithfulness in anything that concerns God. You know why? God is not your problem. He's actually your solution. Don't try to punish him. <laughs> You'll be back in the wrong tree. Do you understand? No, don't, don't try to do that. Remember what the prophet said to the widow. The widow said, ah, man of God. Hey, you won't understand. He said, this stick that you saw me gathering now. I'm gathering it to just go and bake this little floor with this little oil. And then we just die thereafter. What did the man of God say? Oh, sorry. The man of God said, you were suffering before I came. He said, go and bake it and give me to eat first. I'm not the source of your problem. I'm the source of your solution. Thank God the woman listened. And what did the Bible say? She obeyed the man of God. What happened? He said, the cruise of all. The jar of, you know, flour did not run dry. They kept eating. You know why? She was able to discern and separate her problem from her solution. It's like somebody saying, I won't go to work because I don't have money. You will not now, you will not now have money because you didn't go to work. It's a serious matter. But we need wisdom. Isn't it? And the Spirit of God will give us wisdom. In the name of Jesus. Because you see, it's a simple elimination process. The employers, you know, are also stretched. Everybody's stretched. So they're looking at the organization. And they see one that just says, why, why didn't you come to work? Don't you know four prizes? And the man had ten staff. Four came. He's been praying, how do I reduce my staff to four? He will call staff meeting. Nah, this thing this person can do. Can you do it? He say, okay, learn, improve, improve. That's how he, you know, just moves on in his organization. So there's wisdom. Praise the Lord. Okay, so Paul said to them, unless this man stay in the ship. When I read this, I said, why? God has already said you're going to arrive. But when God gives the promise, there are premises that you obey him. Okay? Now, 33 says, and as they was about to dump, Paul implored all them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day you have waited and continue without food and eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Now, now, what I want us to pick from this part of this account is this. You know, the average human being, just like air, just like every most elements in, in the world, will take the space that you give it, right? Now, as a Christian, you see, we may not as a church every day ask you to fast. Praise the Lord. But Christians fast. Hello? Christians fast. You see, in this account, for two weeks... 
This whole crew didn't eat. They didn't eat. Paul didn't proclaim a fast on them. What did he proclaim on them? Feast. He said, eat. Don't let the problems accumulate to the point where you go two weeks without eating. Is someone hearing me? You don't like what you're hearing. Listen to me. There are things that are called disciplines. The Bible says godliness is profitable unto how many things? All things. Say bodily exercise profits a little. Okay? It makes you, you know, you look healthy, everything. We say, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Do you know that there are health issues that are dealt with just purely because you fast? You don't even know them. Now, so you can decide. Some of us here, because part of what I want to suggest with time, we're going to agree. On when we will be, you know, we'll agree on a corporate fast just to witness to souls, to invite people to church. So maybe every Saturday we fast. Imagine hunger wiring you on Saturday and you're looking forward to Sunday when you bring someone to church. Can you just lie down and be turning on the bed? The thing will move you. Are you hearing me? But either way, conditions make crawfish to bend. Let it be a good condition. That's the point I'm making. Four weeks they didn't eat. Some of us here think that if we don't eat for two days, we'll die. How many of us here have never fasted? Okay, have fasted for three days. Let me see your hand. Three days you didn't eat. Okay. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Seven days you didn't eat. Okay. Two weeks you didn't eat. Now, please, let's go back to Acts 20. The men here, two weeks they didn't eat. And they were not complaining. Something way past man don't come to man. There's nothing you can do. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing you can do. Tell the Lord, this matter, I'm bringing it to you, and I will not eat for three days to show you that I'm looking to you to solve this problem. Why should I need... Somebody told us that a lady, you know, that was here before, she was kidnapped. She said she stood for how many days? Either five or ten days. Um, Oham, wasn't it? She stood, she did not sit down, she did not lie down, she did not wish, she did not do anything. She stood for days. Now, when you hear these things, it should beat out lousiness. It should beat out laziness. It should beat out, you know, spiritual lethargy out of you. When I read this, I said, two weeks, this man didn't eat. Can't I now on my own, out of love for God, out of desperation for the power of God, for the help of God, give the Lord and say, Lord, for one week, I wait on you. That justice may come. That these judges may not, even if they collect bribe, that when they come to make announcement, they will announce the right thing. Lord, I will wait on you. How far can you go? Because you believe God. Because if the unbeliever is doing it by condition, then heaven, it won't be a big deal. Praise the Lord, somebody. I've told us here that the, the problem, many of us, we're still very young here, okay? But there are some mothers who will tell you that they fasted. Not because there was no food. Because the child they carried in the womb was giving her concern. Situations arose that she said, instead of this child to waste, Lord, let that food wait. Hear me, hear me, hear me. And they cried to the Lord. What is it that you desire so much? Do you take God that seriously to bring yourself to a place of affliction so that God will have mercy? Jesus, you see, we have castigated a lot of religious things and, you know, but some of these things, no matter how we, you know, look at them, Jesus said, when you fast, which means in your record, they should have looked, if you've been born again for two years 
or for five years or for 50 years. They should look at your record and see when you fasted. No, you've been born again for so long. Then when they look at your record, when you fast, they are flipping page. Eba, Amala, beans. Every day, rice. They are saying when. <laughs> they can't find a when in your story. Somebody say receive grace. We're talking about the journey. Praise the Lord. We're talking about, you, you need to just wake up. You know why? Because the world where we're in, there are winds to move contrary. We, we said the kingdom citizen is not moved by the winds, isn't it? Now, when you're going to stand against the wind, you don't just wake up and face it. Do you understand? There's something that will give you confidence to stand against the wind. I'd never prayed, you know, the first time I prayed for maybe almost 12 hours was when I, I had to preach at a service of songs. And this service of songs that I was going to preach in, it was in the east. The Anglican church where the lady was worshipping in, you know, was antagonistic. The siblings of the person that invited me to preach was antagonistic, you know. And I knew the devil was antagonistic. There was trouble everywhere. Now, I entered the hotel. I can't remember if I sat down. I arrived the day the service of songs was the next day. I can't remember if I sat down. I prayed nonstop. You know why? The wind that was against me, if I was not careful, eh, I would have just gone there and say, open to the book of Josiah, eh? Mm -mm. Uh, the book of uh, Wusetu. Hey, no. <laughs> Do you understand? Some, you're going for a job, interview. you're going for a business appointment. Set yourself apart. Praise the Lord. These are things that believers do. These are things that kingdom citizens do. You're negotiating with people and you're going to meet with them. Some of them are going to different places. They're coming from all kinds of places. You yourself also assess the power that is in the kingdom. Draw down the power of God by prayer, by fasting. It's important. Look at that place that were all, two weeks they hadn't eaten and they were not complaining. Because they knew that they want to survive first. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, so Paul said to them, don't worry, eat, eat, you know, <laughs> eat. Because now what, what you need is physical energy, okay? So he said to them, verse 34, he says, this is for your survival. Some translations will say this is for your health. Okay, uh, this New King James says, this is for your nourishment, okay? He encouraged them, he broke the food, he gave them, and they were all encouraged, they ate. And 37 says to us, there were 276 persons on the ship. So you can imagine the number of people that would have been lost if Paul did not spread his hands to ask the Lord for these ones as well. 39, quickly, he says, When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, meanwhile losing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. Okay. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by violence. I said what had happened here was that the front of the ship had hit ground and was stuck. You know, the waves were breaking the ship, so they were surely going down. And the Bible says, 42, says the soldier's purpose was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. And this was standard practice. Because when a prisoner is delivered to a Roman soldier and the prisoner escapes, there is no explanation. It's your life. That's why the uh, historians and people who investigate the, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, anyone who does it 
with an open mind will know that Jesus rose from the dead. Because when they put guards to watch over that tomb, okay, if anything happened, it was not an explanation. It was their life. The people that were guarding Peter when he was delivered, you know, they killed them. That's the standard. There is no explanation. Okay? So, these soldiers here knew the practice. So, they would rather have the soldiers dead than they themselves being dead. So, that was their purpose. But look at the next line. The next line says, but the centurion, 23. 43, sorry. It said, but the centurion wanting to save Paul. Now, these are some things I read in this story that say, let's share it as a church. Now, Paul went to God and said, let me, please, for me, save the centurion and this man. Did he ever know that a time in the journey, the centurion will also become an instrument for his own deliverance? Are you seeing what I'm saying? The centurion wanting to preserve so peradventure if so if Paul sorry did not make intercessions for everybody on the ship, maybe the centurion would have been the worst sinner, and maybe he would have been one of those that would have fallen off the ship and died. Now, if this mad moment came on, the only person on the ship who would have been an instrument for his deliverance would no longer be there. You see, we learned here that what you do in the kingdom, you don't do for anybody. You don't do anything for anybody at the end of the day. Everything you do, good or bad, comes back to you. It comes back to you. That, and that's where, you know, as a nation, we are missing it. Because, you see, when the quality of education goes down, and we're able to take our children to private schools and all of that, and send them to better schools and a school, it's okay, your child is educated. But, God forbid, there's an emergency, and you go to the hospital. The nurse they meet cannot tell the difference between chloroquine and nevaquine. They can't tell the difference between Panadol and uh, uh, dog medicine. But that's the nurse they found. You know education adjusts to standard. Do you know that? Many will tell you that in most organizations in Nigeria now, even level of deputy directors, they can't speak English. They can't write letters. Some of us remember the letter that um, the justice of, um, what was that called? Code of Conduct. The letter that man wrote that proceeded from his office, if it came from a primary five student, this child would have failed. But that's from the office of code of code, whatever. That's the quality that is coming out. Because we have all tried to protect ourselves. We have all tried to solve our own problems. We have all tried to keep ourselves safe. Listen to me. If the community is not safeguarded, if the whole environment is not safe, you're wasting your time. Because this thing functions by osmosis. It will seep in. Insecurity will seep in. Praise the Lord. So, where Paul was saying, Lord, I thank you for assuring me I'll get it. But please, Lord, save every man in this ship. He was actually saving himself. Let's rise on our feet. You and I are on a journey. And the last part of that story, I like it. 44. It says, and so it was. They all escaped safely to land. Some on board, some on parts of the ship. That's what God can do. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter where you are now in this journey of faith. The word of God has gone forth. He said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, what shall happen? Shall be saved. I thank God for such a God. I don't serve a God that when he looks at my problem, he says, no, I can't even touch this one. I've told us here that one of the things that can never happen, if they decide to play a football match here now, and they bring ta- uh, scouts to start choosing. They might choose some ladies here before me. I can't play football for my life. But God will choose me. 
That's what I'm trying to say. God will choose me because he will come and play for me. That's the beauty of grace. God will choose me. That's the news. I've, because someone is listening to this and he says, how can this be possible? God will help you. Do you understand? That's the beauty of the faith. There's nobody that can stand on the day of judgment and tell God, you know those things that Pastor Kena was saying? It's impossible. God will say, no. Come and look at this man. Come and look at this man. You were better than him. You were all of... But see what I've made of him. Today, I want to assure you, the journey of faith is that you hear God's word. It humbles you. You say, yes, Lord. Let's bow our heads as we pray. There may be somebody here who for today, your first point of obedience is that you give your life to Christ. You say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Today, that's your own. That's where you're starting from. A lot of things that we've said now, you're hearing them for the very first time. But I want to help you. The first step in this journey is that you put your faith in the one who is Lord. In the one who gave his life for you. The one who gave his life for me. The one who died that we might live. The one with whose blood my sins are washed away and your sins as well. If you call on him, whosoever, there shall be salvation for you. So anywhere you are, you want to do that today, it's my honor, it's my privilege. Just raise your hand anywhere so I can pray with you. Jesus, I come to you today. This is me, Jesus. Save me. Because this journey, ah, the only way we get on it is by birth. Not by assimilation. Some of us have been in church and we think we are assimilated into the faith. Nobody gets assimilated into the faith. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man be born, it's a birth. It's not assimilation. It's not acquaintance. You don't learn it. You become born in it. Father, we thank you. Say after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that you are the son of God. You came into this world to die for sinners. I am one of them. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose on the third day for my justification. Jesus, today I accept you as Lord, as Savior. Today, write my name in your book of life. Give me the gift of your spirit that I may live victoriously on this side of eternity. And when I'm done here, come into glory with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Savior. I am forgiven. I'm a new creature. I am born again. I have a glorious future. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to pray. And the prayer we're going to pray is just in line with what we've been learning. You know, what is in the Spirit. John 6, 39. I don't know how it would have been for Paul at the last verse of that story. If Paul got on the land and he looked back and he saw bodies floating in the river or in the ocean, how would they have been? Our Lord Jesus Christ said, he says, this is the will of the Father who sent me. He says that of all he has given me, what will happen? He said, I should lose nothing. Now, if you're born again, you're given something. Say, by faith we are saved. By grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It says, but it says, there, there are works that God prepared beforehand. That you should walk in it, that I should walk in it. So, as you stand here and you agree, you 
bear witness that you're born again Christian. Can you just stretch your hands anywhere? Just stretch your hand. Stretch it wide. There are multitudes that God has given you to bring in. I want you to pray for grace to bring them in. I want you to pray for anointing to bring them in. Some of us are places of work. They don't even know you go to church. I want you to receive the anointing. And together as Nigerians, we are saying Nigeria will be saved. The the power of God will be made manifest in our nation. In my home, all that he has given me, I will lose nothing. All that see me, all that I interact with, all that I come in contact with, Lord, help me. Help my witness. Anoint me, Lord. Lord, strengthen me, Lord. Help me, Lord. That not one, the record here says, all got to land safely. Lord, today I'm praying. Father, help me. Help me. And as you pray that prayer, please, I ask you to include every resource necessary. But above all, the will. Every wisdom necessary. Lord, everything necessary. He said to Peter, you're a fisherman, but I will make you fishers of men. Lord, anoint me. Ah, Lord, strengthen me. That's what we're talking about. Daniel was so anointed that Nebuchadnezzar came to his God by reason of his testimony. Lord, here I am. Empower me. Let me be awake to this assignment. Let me be awake to this calling. Let me be awake to this privilege that men, indeed, nations, some of us here are called to nations. Lord, grace that none will be lost. Thank you, Father. Begin to thank him. And as you thank him, last prayer you're going to pray, Lord, let me win even in my life. Because my witness is paramount. Say, Paul, say, the God whom I belong to and whom I serve, Lord, give me this privilege that I stand solid and standing thereby may bring many to me. Thank you for every area of my life. Your help abounds. Your provision abounds. Your wisdom abounds. Are you sick in the body? He heals you so that you're strong for the work. Do you have anything covering your glory? He rolls it off. He says, I'll give to you a mouth and a wisdom that none of your adversaries can gain sin or resist. He gives you wisdom uncommon. He gives you insight. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.